Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, April 9th. On today's episode of the Roundup, we're going to talk about value-based reimbursement. You know, the thing that was supposed to replace fee-for-service medicine years ago, but hasn't yet. Heavy sigh. But we did see two positive signs over the past few weeks, and that's what we're going to talk about today. First, more than 40 healthcare organizations in Oregon signed a pledge to adopt value-based payment models. And second, Medtronic signed a value-based payment deal with Spectrum Health, the big healthcare system in Michigan. To tell us what these moves mean are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchinson, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? In Chicago, we go from zero to summer in a nanosecond. These last few days, it's been sunny and in the mid-70s. Everybody's outside wearing shorts and throwing Frisbees. What could be better, you know, except Hawaii? So aloha, Julie. <laughs> aloha. Julie, you got to be doing great, right? I'm doing great. I will say that I uh, spent a good amount of time this week underwater with the fish with my newly certified 12-year-old diver and the infamous Molly Coy, who many in healthcare know, and it has a fabulous, fabulous set of dives. Wow. Impressive. Now, uh, before we talk about value-based reimbursement, let's talk about your own healthcare coverage. Dave, do you or anyone you know get care under a value-based reimbursement program like an ACO or patient-centered medical home or a bundled payment plan? Not really. We probably should, but I just hate the word value-based reimbursement. Actually, the word I hate is reimbursement. Words are important. Healthcare's lexicon is utilitarian and disconnected from end users. You know, you got reimbursement, payer, provider, patient, procedure. Why not payment, buyer, seller, customer, product? You know, when we get the language right, better business models will follow. Dave, I think you're setting the tone for this episode right there. Trying, trying. All right, Julie, same thing. Any personal experience with ACOs, medical homes, or bundled payment arrangements? Well, I will say, you know, I was a One Medical member for years. I actually still am, and I just joined as a Plush Care member. And both those models, uh, Plush Care in particular, have been focused on how to provide as much care as possible um, with a membership fee and then billing your insurance. So it's a little bit of a different way of thinking about it, but... As long as I've longed to be a Kaiser Permanente member, I've not really been part of any formal process. Got it. Thank you. I'm in an HMO, so I know someone is getting paid per member per month, but I have no idea whether those payments are tied to any outcome metrics. I do get a lot of patient satisfaction surveys, though. They usually dig on my phone before I get back to the car. So uh, (laughs) they want to know right away that I was a happy customer. So I guess that's good. Experience is king. That's right. All right, Dave, uh, let's talk about what's going on in Oregon. Tell us what happened, what it means, and what it does for value-based payment adoption. 43 Oregon-based organizations, including most of the state's big providers and payers, have signed a value-based payment compact to move 70% of all payments to advance value-based models over the next five years. The compact sponsors are the Oregon Health Authority, basically the state's Department of Health, and the Oregon Health Leadership Council, which is a collaborative organization comprised mostly of healthcare companies. Their mission is to lower the growth rate of healthcare costs in the state. 
The, the payment compact is the last of a four-pillar commitment to create a foundation for equitable, sustainable health care for all Oregonians. The other three pillars are broad insurance access, comprehensive primary care, and health care cost containment. The compact's next step is to create an implementation work group to make sure they hit their performance targets. Is the glass half full or empty on this initiative? On the half full side, Oregon already has a significant commitment to risk-based integrated care delivery. Kaiser and Providence both have big health plans and delivery systems in the state. Oregon's Medicaid program has a waiver to operate under value-based payment rules, so that's a good thing. Overall, the compact signatories cover 70% of the state's people for their health care needs. It certainly has the right goals, better outcomes achieved at lower costs through better coordinated care. Can they deliver and is it enough? This is where we get to the glasses half empty part of our discussion. The compact is a voluntary commitment, so there are no enforcement provisions. Good intentions usually aren't enough. The Choosing Wisely initiative, launched with even greater fanfare, hasn't materially changed practice patterns for the better. Large groups' initiatives like this usually adopt lowest common denominator solutions to keep as many of their members under the umbrella as possible. That's not a good thing. Moreover, this is a healthcare, not business-led initiative. None of these signatories are really interested in seeing their revenues decline, which is what truly has to happen to achieve meaningful reform. And perhaps most importantly, the compact doesn't incorporate the types of social investments required to reverse the avalanche of chronic disease that afflicts the nation and Oregon as well. Bottom line, I'm from Missouri on this Oregon Trail. They'll have to show me they can drive meaningful improvement. Otherwise, it's all sound and fury signifying little. Wow, geography and literature in one response. That's, that's excellent. Thanks, Dave. All right, Julie, what's your take on what happened in Oregon? Does it make you more or less optimistic about value-based payment replacing fee-for-service medicine? Maybe it's because I just spent a little bit of time away from my reality, but I've got a slightly more Pollyanna perspective than Dave. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know, we agree on the fact that it cuts both ways. I'm super optimistic to see this level of collaboration. I'll be the first to admit that these kinds of collaborations don't typically excite me as they don't have a lot of teeth. But given all that Dave shared about the majority of coverage in the state um, and the fact that they have five years to plan together in a more coordinated fashion, if any state can pull it off, I actually think it's Oregon. You know, they have a history of leading thinking coming out of OHSU. You know, OCHIN, the health IT collaborative among community health centers there, has really helped pull that safety net together. And there's a number of associated nonprofits and other conveners in the state that have really created the right petri dish here. And they're very forward-looking doers in that state. And what I love is they're taking advantage of other larger market forces, you know, the additional funds from the COVID relief bill that are going to strengthen Medicaid and ACA, the second wave of digital health that is just coming in hot, the infrastructure bill that's going to ensure broadband access in many remote parts of that state, if not our entire country, all the stark law and kickback stuff that Trump put into place, inoperability mandates. I mean, everything that we've talked about over the course of the last eight to 10 weeks, if not months on this podcast, it's all setting states like Oregon up to realign both in regions and local geographies there in a way that takes advantage of all the money and all the timing of policy and, frankly, market forces. So I think it's big. So I'm not all Pollyanna, 
what I get concerned about is Oregon might just crush it. And that's great. I don't know if other states would be able to do that. And I do think Oregon will, if successful, set up some models that other states can follow. But the time is really now for other states and other regions and other major markets to step up and follow suit. So I'm just, you know, I hope that there's some teeth to this because they have all the right things in motion. Got it. Dave, that's a very half full response. Anything to add to Julie's comments? Julie, I hope you're you're right. I clearly walk the fine line between skepticism and cynicism on the ability of the, the traditional system to reform itself and really deliver meaningful change. But you're right. I think if any state can do it, it's probably Oregon. Uh, quite honestly, though, I think where real reform is going to come from is from outside the traditional players. You know, our episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about Transparent and Amazon and going to employers with meaningful value-based service propositions that reconfigure care in ways that are much more digital, much more consumer-friendly, much more technical, strikes me as having a higher probability of success and hopefully putting enough pressure on the system that it starts to forego its its evil ways. Uh, We'll see. Dave, if you don't mind, I'll say one more thing on that. No, go for it. I agree with you totally, Dave. And I would love to see some of the leaders in Oregon actually take advantage of some of what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks with Amazon Care and some of the larger players who've gotten together to deliver more platform end-to-end services. And I wouldn't be surprised that they do because, you know, Oregon has a pretty progressive West Coast way of thinking. That's great, Julie. Thank you. Now let's talk about this deal between Medtronic and Spectrum Health. Julie, what did they do and why should patients care? Well, the first thing I thought of quite selfishly when I read this was the 2016 Health Evolution Summit when Omar Ishrak and Steve Safir from Montefiore were talking about this very approach, which, of course, we proudly claimed is the first on-stage deal. But Omar agreed to take on risk of any infection costs and repeat implant patients for Montefiore-used Medtronic's antimicrobial sleeves. So what I love is that Medtronic has, of course, pushed these deals forward with Aetna and others over the years, and they've really taken a leading position in this thinking. At the time, Omar was quoted by saying, eventually, I want the entire portfolio to be value-based. If it's not value-based, we shouldn't be doing it. It's going to take a long time, but we can start taking steps to a day when all healthcare is value-based. And that was Omar in 2016. So that sets the stage for the fact that this deal is significant. It's about cardiac resynchronization therapy. And Medtronic showed in a clinical trial that its adaptive CRT pacing algorithm reduced 30-day readmissions. So what this deal is about is Medtronic and Spectrum actually testing that algorithm's ability to do the same thing in the real world. And for any patient that receives the Medtronic pacemaker or defibrillator with the adaptive CRT pacing algorithm in it from a spectrum procedure, they'll basically automate identification of readmission events. They're doing this under an existing financial accountability program. So for patients, this could be a great experience if the device's algorithm actually works as intended. More active remote monitoring, which will create a more personalized experience for their service. And, you know, of course, for the patients, less chance of being readmitted to the hospital. And again, I'm having a Pollyanna day, but a potentially greater chance of good quality of life and longer life as the service doesn't just stop after 30 days. This is an ongoing way of remotely monitoring these patients. This is a way I think that both Medtronic can stand behind their product and they're taking risks to do so. And Spectrum wants to deliver the best service to their patients and use this as a reason why patients should choose them as their provider. 
And not surprising, you know, Medtronic and Spectrum have set up additional value-based collaborations in the future should this work. So I expect that Medtronic will use Spectrum, among others, to really grow their ability to be at risk. Thanks, Julie. Dave, what's your take on this deal? Uh, What does it mean for value-based payment? And will we see more of these deals between life sciences companies and providers? I don't have a lot to add to Julie's excellent summary. I mean, that was was really terrific. I'll just say a couple of things. First, the tech is really cool, right? Adaptive CRT programming that adjusts therapy minute by minute to a patient's heart rhythms in ways that reduce heart failure and arterial fibrillation. Patients live longer. I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing we want to see out of technology. Second, and I'm going to be a little bit off base here, I suppose, their arrangement reminds me of the witch's song from Macbeth. Uh, You remember it? Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. My version is bundle, bundle, payment muscle, value soars when prices tumble. So I'm positively Shakespearean on the potential of full-risk bundles like this to really reduce costs, improve outcomes. And I'm hoping that Medtronic and Spectrum do more of these, and it, it spreads throughout the entire industry because we need everybody to put their income on the line to demonstrate they can truly deliver value-based care. I'm more of a Henry V fan, so I'll just go with that. Thanks, Dave. Julie, anything to add to Dave's comments? It's such a hard act to follow. I think value definition is becoming more sophisticated as technology is allowing, well, probably well behind what technology allows. But the remote patient monitoring market is expected to double in the next five years. So I agree with Dave. We're going to see a lot more of this. And the Consumer Technology Association survey found that 68% of physicians said they strongly intended to use remote patient monitoring. So we finally actually might see some clinical alignment, which I think has been a big issue at you know other actually neighboring systems around the spectrum geography. So I think we're going to see more risk-sharing partnerships tied to specific patient cohorts, time horizons, measurable outcomes, regardless of whether those outcomes are actually clinical, functional, or qualitative. Yeah. So overall, uh, it's nice to see life sciences companies putting the money where their mouth is, right? So it's a good thing for patients. Thanks, Julie. All right. Now, as always on the roundup, let's talk about next week. Julie, what is the big story in healthcare next week? What's your prediction? I think we're going to start hearing more about Medicaid again. It just seems like from a policy perspective, we're starting to hear more about what the long term looks like in telehealth and Medicaid. So I think we'll hopefully start to hear more about states getting in the game or certainly market action there. Dave, what are people not paying attention to and should next week? I'm really concerned we're going to see another COVID spike. Our daily numbers, even with the vaccine going in at levels really unimagined by anybody six months ago, you know, we're at levels higher than we were last summer. And the South African and British variants of of the virus are getting traction and they, they spread more quickly and are more virulent. So unfortunately, we're going to be talking about the wrong Vs next week, viruses and vaccinations and people's reluctance to take them and and not enough about the right fee value. Got it. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. All hail value-based payment models. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed today, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. You also can find a recording of this podcast and all our podcasts on the Healthcare Now radio network, iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.